Okay, good morning, everybody. Sorry, sorry, I didn't get this to you yesterday. Um, today is Chazara day number seven. We're on Daf Dalim Abayz. Uh, we're in the middle of discussing the topic of Goyd Asik. Goyd Asik is, is that when you have walls, do not reach the Schach. If they're ten Tfachim tall, you, then you can imagine that wall should straight up to the sky. Uh, that itself is not a Chiddush, but the Chiddush we were discussing last time is when you have Goyd Asik, when the Mechitzos are not Nikara. So what that means is, is that let's say you're standing on top of something that is ten Tfachim high, so there's no wall surrounding you, but there actually is already ten Tfachim. Can you shoot up the ten Tfachim that are beneath you to the ceiling? Or does it have to be there's ten Tfachim that are surrounding you that actually are seen as being Mechitzos? They shoot those up to the sky, and that was the last discussion that we had, and we're going to discuss that a little bit further right now. So we're up to the word Taner Rabbanan, uh, second words of the line, the first words of Aleka, about eight, nine lines down, and we're going to say as follows. Turn around on Not arba'a kundasin. If you drive four poles into the ground, v'sikech al-gaban, and you put schach on top of them. What's the halach? If you put four poles in the ground and put schach on top of them, we're going to give the parameters of what that means soon. Rabbi Yaakov machsher. Rabbi Yaakov says kosher. Rabbi Yaakov says not good. Okay? So all we know is that we have a structure where there's no wall surrounding you. You have four poles with schach on top of it. Somehow Rabbi Yaakov says it's kosher, and the Chacham says it's not kosher. What is the scenario? What's the situation? How could it be kosher if it seems to be there's no walls? What is the machlekas? We're going to get into that right now. Two different versions of how to understand the machlekas. Amr Ravuna. Ravuna says this is the machlekas between Rav Yaakov, who says it's kosher, and says it's pashal. Pashal machlekas, al sagag. And the whole machlekas is if you put these four poles at the edge of a roof, so yes, technically there's four poles and a ceiling, and it seems to be there's no walls, but there really are walls because the four poles are at the edge of a roof, and therefore you have the four walls of the building itself that it's on top of that could be the walls of the sukkah, because you'll say, go to Asik, let those rise up to the ceiling, and you have yourself four walls of the sukkah. So the machlaikas is at the edge, where even when it's at the edge, Rabbi Yaakov says it's kosher, and the Chavim say it's not kosher because you don't have mechitzas that are colors, mechitzas that you're able to see. The Rabbi Yaakov suffer, I mean, I'm going to Asik mechitzas, Rabbi Yaakov will say it's kosher because we're going to apply the you cannot say good asik in such a case when the walls are beneath you but they're not surrounding you. Huna finishes and says that if it would be in the middle of the roof, where you have these four poles with the roof on top of it of Srach, and the four poles are nowhere near the edge of the roof, and therefore you cannot borrow the walls of the building itself to shoot up to be the Godasik. So on that particular case, says Ravuna, everyone gives it's not good, because how are you going to make it good? There are no walls. You don't have any Godasik to apply. You don't have any four walls there. All you have is four poles. It's not going to be kosher. That's Ravuna's understanding of Machlekes. Rav Nachman argues and says, no, no, no. The Machlekes itself is in the middle of the roof. In the middle of the roof is a machlekas. And even if it's in the middle of the roof where it's not at the edge, and therefore you cannot borrow the walls themselves to say God Asik, we'll see later on what shot could be, how it could possibly be good if it's in the middle of the roof, but let's just take it as it is right now. Rav Nachman says that even when it's in the middle of the roof, Rav Yaakov says it's kosher, and the Chamas say it's not kosher. So when Rav Nachman made a statement right now, it was not clear if he was saying that the middle of the roof is machlekas, but if it would be the edge of the roof, everyone agrees it is good. Or is Rav Nachman coming along and arguing and saying that no, both in the middle of the roof and still at the edge of the roof, it's still going to be machlokas between Rabbi Yaakov and the Chachamim. So if I could clarify that, again, if it's at the edge of the roof, we have a little more of a grounds to understand why you would say Godasik. You, why you're able to say it's kosher, because you're using the walls of the building underneath it, shoot those up, everything will be fine, and even by there, if Huna said it's a machlokas between Rabbi Yaakov and the Chachamim, the Chachamim says it's still no good. But there's nothing to talk about if it's in the middle, for sure it's no good. And if Nach comes along and says, no, in the middle of the roof it's a machlokas, but he doesn't comment at the edge of the roof. So there's two ways to say the edge of the roof. Is if the, when the poles are at the edge of the roof, everyone agrees it's fine at this point? Or do we say that no, they argue in both places. They argue if it's in the middle of the roof and they argue if it's at the edge of the roof as well. 
here we go. Let's try to bring proofs one way or the other. Is Rav Huna's approach or is Rav Nacha's approach more accurate? And does it fit with other prices and other sources throughout Shas? Ibailu. Do we say, and this is our question, that in the middle of the roof is a machlekes, but if it's at the edge of the roof, everyone agrees it's kosher. Or perhaps, the machlekes is by both. Take them, let that stand. We don't have any clear proof one way or the other. Now we're going to challenge. So we're not talking about a roof anymore. You take four poles and put them smack in the middle of the ground. You put your sock on top of them. Rabbi Yaakov says it's kosher, says not kosher. So again, what do we see from here? This is not talking about a roof. This is in the middle of an open field. You take four poles, put them on the ground, put sock on top of it, and Yaakov still says it's good. And therefore the Gemara first from here and says as follows, being on, on top of an open field is similar to being in the middle of the roof where you don't have any good asics to be able to help you to create any walls. And Yaakov is saying it's kosher. So clearly, 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 Yaakov holds that even when it's not at the edge of the roof, even when it's standing there without any support of any external sources to create the walls, we're going to say you have a kosher sukkah. So says the Gemara, Tiyufta de Rav Huna, Tiyufta. This is a disproof of Rav Huna. Because Rav Huna says, no, there's no way there's a machlag in the middle of the roof. We're only going to say there's a machlag at the edge of the roof. But if it be in the middle of the roof itself, no one would say it's good. Well, we have this Brysa that clearly says that it's in an open field, which is similar to being in the middle of the roof. And still, Rabbi Yaakov says it's kosher. So therefore, it's a Tiyufta, it's a disproof of Rav Huna's approach. And it must be, they argue, even when it's in the middle of the roof. Vo'oid so another thing, though, is that maybe we're able to prove two things. If the Brysa brings the Machlekes in middle of the roof, meaning it's in an open field, which is similar to being middle of the roof, and does not bring the Machlekes between Rebiachem and the Chachamim in a scenario where it would be at the edge of the roof, where you could borrow to go to Asimichitzasa, so if it chose to say the Machlekes in an open field, it really disproves Rav Huna on both points. It doesn't only disprove Rav Huna's statement when he said that there's no way there's a Machlekes in the middle of the roof, what we're clearly seeing the Machlekes is, even on cases where it's in the middle of the roof where there's no Gadasik, but on top of that, from the fact that it chose to bring the Machlekes only in an open field, and didn't choose to bring the machlekes between Rabbi Yaakov and the Chachamim in a scenario where it would be at the edge of the roof, clearly there is no machlekes in that scenario, which would therefore disprove Rav Huna on both, because Rav Huna said there is a machlekes at the edge of the roof, and this seems to be indicating there is no machlekes in such a scenario. So it says the Gemara to that second point, Rav Huna would argue back and say, no, you didn't disprove me completely. They do argue at the edge of the roof, and they argue in the middle of the roof also. They argue by both of them. They argue by both of them. So in second, if I'm trying to say to you that there is a machlekes at the edge of the roof, why would the Brysa only bring the case that there's a machlekes in the middle of the roof? It's to bring out a chiddush in Rabbi Yaakov, because Rabbi Yaakov is a huge chiddush that he's saying that even when it's in the middle of the roof, it's going to be kosher. And therefore, the fact that the Brysa chose to bring the machlekes in a scenario where it's in the middle of the roof, doesn't prove that they don't also argue and say at the edge of the roof. It's just a bigger chiddish to say that he holds that it's kosher even in the middle of the roof, and that's why the Gemara went out of its way to specifically bring that case. But in fact, Allah would would be that the Machlok is at the edge of the roof as well, at least that's what Rav Huna would hold. Tanar No, it's Arba Kundatim Ba'aretz. If you take four poles, drive them into the ground, V'sikich al Gabon, and you put Shach on top of them, Rav Yaakov Oimer Royen, Kol, She'ilu Yechakku V'yachloku V'yishbem Tefach L'kan, V'tachvach L'kan, Nidun Mishum Diyumid. So, again, we said before 
that Rabbi Yaakov holds that even if it's an open field, even if it's in the middle of the roof, if you have four poles with schach on top of it, it can't be kosher. Now, how can you be kosher? So here we get, finally have our explanation. The rabbis teach us, no, it's arba kundusim ba'aretz. You take four poles, strike them into the ground. And put yishak on top of it. Ryakov Ryakov says, Royan kol, you look at each one of those poles that's holding up the sukkah, that if you would engrave it and you would chisel it out and make a V-shape out of those four poles, and you have in that V one tefach in each direction, you could treat it like a diumid, which again is a concept we learn in Hilkha Shabbos, that sometimes you find yourself in the middle of an open desert, in the middle of an open field, and Shabbos comes, and you want to be able to draw water from the well, there's a kula we have in Hilcha Shabbos to allow you to make these V-shaped structures in all four corners, and it's as if you have four walls. Over here, Rabbi Yaakov applies it as well, that even though you don't even have a V-shape, you only have a circular or a square pole that's holding up the srach, but if you would, would be able to theoretically chisel out a V-shaped diumid, then you'd be able to make it that your sukkah is going to be kosher. But if when you chisel it out, you do not have one tafak in each direction, we cannot treat it like diumid. Because Yaakov used to say that the diumid, this V-shaped structure that creates the corner posts of the sukkah, has to be at least a tafach. But we know, and that's what we hold, the Chamim hold that it's not enough to have these four corner posts to make a sukkah kosher. You have to have two kosher walls and a third wall is at least a tefach. If you have anything less than that, you do not have yourself a kosher sukkah. Okay. Now let's go a little bit further. Let's say you have a sukkah that is not ten tefachim tall. Minalan, what is the source that if your sukkah is not ten tefachim tall, is not going to be kosher? Itmar, Rav, Verichanina, Rabbi Yochanan, Chaviva, Masnu. We have it taught from Rav, Verichanina, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chaviva. And now the Gemara just makes a side point, a parenthetical statement, but Kulo Seder Moyed, Kolki Aizuga, Chalufi, Rabbi Yochanan, and Ma'ayla, Rabbi that uh, the Gemara makes a statement that anytime you have this group of Tanoim making a statement, in Seder Moed, you should take out Rabbi Yochanan and put in Rabbi Yonasan instead. So we had Rabbi Yochanan on our list, just switch it out with Rabbi Yonasan. But the point is like this. How do we know that a sukkah has to at least be ten tefachim tall? And more answers as follows. Aroin Tisha. The Aroin we know was nine tefachim tall. The Kapiras tefach and the cover of the Aroin was one tefach tall. Hari Kanasar. Though we see that the total height of the Aroin was ten tefachim. Viksiv, and it's also written what about the Aroin, that I met with you there and I spoke with you from on top of the kaparis, on top of the cover of the arm. So what do we see from this? That we see that a Kresh Baruch so to speak, comes to a place that's ten tefachim off the ground. I met with you on top of the kaparis, And therefore we see that if we want our sukkah to be a place of Ashras Ashkina, it has to be at least ten tefachim tall to be able to include the presence of the Shekhinah of Kresh Baruch Top line of Hamanal. Fitanya, Rabbi says that it's never happened that the Shina has gone below. And it's never happened that Moshe Eliyahu went above. That the heaven is for Hashem and the ground is for Adam. So again, what this is saying is, is that obviously Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. But this concept of the Hasras, Hashem of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this more concentrated sense of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has never been less than 10 Tzvachim. And Moshe Rabbeinu, 
or any other person has never been within ten tefachim of Shemaim. They've gone high, they've never been within ten tefachim of Shemaim. Now we're going to ask questions on this to challenge us. Is this really true that HaKadosh Baruch has never been within ten tefachim? And is it really true that Moshe Rabbeinu or anyone else has never been within ten tefachim of Shemaim? And we're going to give different answers for that, but that's going to be the challenge that we have at this moment. So it says as follows, V'lo yarda, fourth line down, first word, V'lo yarda, shechina, lemata, you're telling me the shechina has never gone below ten tefachim of But we have a passage that says, V'yard Hashem al harsinai. Hashem came down on Har Sinai, which again, Har Sinai is earth. If he came on Har Sinai, that means he was within 10 Tzvachim of the ground. Answers the Gemara, Lamala Asar Tzvachim, it was more than 10 Tzvachim. He was hovering above Har Sinai. Okay, fine, no problem. Another question. Vaksiv, Vaomdu Raglav Biyomahu Al Har Hazesim. Hakarish Brachu's feet, Kiviachal, on that day were on Har Hazesim in Yushalayim. So the Gemara gives the same answer, Lamala Asar Tzvachim, is above 10 Tzvachim. So fine, we gave two successful answers on the Pesukah that seems to be Hakarish Brachu came down. Onto the earth, and we said both those cases are above ten tefachim. Now we're going to challenge the Moshe Rabbeinu one. The Moshe Rabbeinu not really come within ten tefachim of Shemayim. Velo olu Moshe velio lemarom. Moshe velio never came up to Shemayim. Vaksev Moshe Allah el haElokim. Moshe went up to Hashem. Answers the Gemara. Similar answers that we saw before. Lamanta meyasar. He was lower than ten tefachim from Shemayim. Vaksev ayal elio besaara Shemayim. Ah, he said elio himself went up in his chariot to the heavens. Answers the Gemara, Lamata Meyasar, he did not get within ten Tvachim of Shemaim itself, he kind of hovered below it. Ivaksiv Ma'achiz Pnei Kisei Parshas Alavanana, that you hold onto the Kisei, and he spread upon him his cloud. And what does this mean? We learn from here that Karsh Baruch, Shakai, spread his ziv, his grandeur, his glory, and his Shekhinah and his cloud upon him. So how does this work? Because we said before that Kodesh Baruch did not come within ten tefachim. So we answer the Matamiyah. Sorry, sorry um, that it sounds like Moshe. Sorry, went up that high and it was within the Shemayim. To which we said the Matamiyah. Sorry, he was still within. He was lower than ten tefachim when this happened. So says Gemara. But it says he held on to the kisei. And if we know that a Kodesh Baruch doesn't come. Lower and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't reach up high there, so it sounds like he was reaching up into Shemayim itself and holding on to the kisei, as it says there in the pasuk. Ma'aches pnei kisei was holding on to the face of the kisei itself. So how could that be? If you're telling me that he never went within to Antvachim. So it says the Gemara as follows: very, very interesting answer. And we're going to end with this for today. The kisei itself was lowered. Ishtarve means to be lowered. Ishtarvuve, ishtarve vlekise adasara. The kisei itself was lowered until ten tefachim v'nakit be, and that's why he was able to hold on to it. Okay, everybody. So we'll end for today at this point, and we're going to have another recording of Hashem tomorrow um, for the next day of Chazar.